is in the books of ACC football, and we are thrilled you've joined us here on Action Packed, the home of ACC football, right here on the Fans First Sports Network College Football Podcast feed. I am Corey Cohen, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Andy Pregler. Andy, how are you doing after these last two weeks of Syracuse? You know, this was what every person who knew college football said was going to happen. I was mentally prepared. It still hurts. Uh, and it is going to be one of those situations where there's going to be a lot of pain this week. And then hopefully we're through it all and we go to the fun part of the ACC schedule. Uh, but based off of this week's results, I'm not so sure that going to Georgia Tech might be, you know, a layup of a game that I thought it was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, well, um, let's let's just start there because that is the craziest game of the season and uh, just absolutely bonkers. Georgia Tech. Miami. Uh, this was not the most thrilling game for a good chunk of it. It was pretty low scoring. In fact, the first points of the game scored at the final seconds of the second quarter going into halftime. Miami kicks a field goal. It was three nothing. So kind of an ugly game. And but then Miami gets the ball back with uh, five minutes and change left. They move the ball down the field. They move the chains three times. They get into Georgia Tech range and they get the clock to where they don't even have to run plays anymore. They can just take a knee and end the game. Game would be over, a win for Miami, undefeated Canes. And yet, in Mario Cristobal's bright idea, he decides to run it three times. And on third down, the running back Donald Chaney fumbles it. Georgia Tech picks it up. Haynes King throws a 30-yard bomb and a 44-yard bomb. And in the span of 24 seconds, Miami goes from a surefire victory where they should have just taken a knee to a Georgia Tech win. Absolutely bonkers game. And for Mario Cristobal, one of the worst coaching decisions anyone has ever seen. Yeah, I I, I think this is a part of college football that I don't always love to get into but it does really appear as if mario cristobal cannot coach in the fourth quarter of close games like this is now becoming a this is becoming a pattern that he is just making he is consistently making the wrong decisions in these situations and to me that's 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 worrying on a lot of fronts for miami because you know you want to get back into the upper echelons of college football that's going to mean playing in a lot of close games and winning close games and and to this point He's just been unable to close the door uh, on a game that Miami doesn't dominate from start to finish. And this was a game where if you look at the stats, you know, Miami outgains uh, Georgia Tech 452 to 250. Uh, they get 23 first down to Georgia Tech's 12 first downs. Uh, they converted 50% of their uh, third down conversions as opposed to just 5 of 13 for Georgia Tech. By every stretch of the imagination, this was a game that uh, Georgia Tech should have lost by multiple scores. But Miami could not convert uh, the amount, just could not convert their opportunities into touchdowns. And if you look at it, special teams really did them in. Miami had three punts, only averaged 38 yards per punt. And and Georgia Tech was able to get 105 returning yards um you know, this is uh, those were all on interceptions. Like this was just 
this was just a very sloppy game. And, and Tyler Van Dyke was somebody who I wanted to put in like, you know, you're not necessarily a Heisman candidate, but one of those names that are going to be around there and kind of pushing the echelon. This was, this was the game that we had been waiting for against, uh, against Texas A&M. This was the game that we thought he was going to have at some point during the season against one of the better competitions down the line, you know, whether that was against Florida state, whether that was against somebody else, like we thought this game was going to happen from him instead. It happens against Georgia tech and it's incredibly concerning. And if I am the Miami hurricanes, I am really starting to worry about crystal ball. If only because this game has the potential to really snowball into a bad place because of the way that it ended and because of who Miami has uh, left on their schedule. Absolutely. Because as you said, this is a game that Miami should have won by multiple scores. They effectively did win it. And then Mario Cristobal just gave the game away. And because of that, the hurricanes now have zero room for error and they're going into a brutal part of their schedule. They've had it easy up until now. In fact, this was their first ACC game. So up until this one, they were not even on the board. They are now 0-1 in the ACC. And they have to play North Carolina coming up next week, then Clemson. Then they get two weeks that should be easier. And then Florida State and then Louisville. So this went from a Miami team that we were thinking, okay, yeah, this is a team that's really good. They should go to to five and zero, and then from there who knows about North Carolina that should be a thrilling game maybe they can beat Clemson and this could be a, a Miami team that goes 11 and one maybe 10 and two gets into the ACC championship game perhaps and now you're looking at it where they cannot afford one more loss or they will be likely knocked out of the picture for the ACC championship and there's just no way that I can see the Canes not losing at least one more game this year with those opponents they have coming up. So as you said, this could get off the rails quickly. I mean, if Mario Cristobal can somehow turn this around, win out, go to the ACC championship game, then yeah, this game will be forgiven and forgotten. But man, at the moment, the way it's looking, this could spiral from what should have been a 5-0 and season. This could quickly turn into 4-3. and They could end up winning six, seven games this year. And a lot of it could come down to this. I was going to, I was just going to say like looking at that schedule before this game happens, you're thinking there's probably at worst Miami finishes their stretch nine and three uh, you with losses to UNC Clemson and FSU after this week. Seven and five is really on the table here yep. because if you cannot win a close game, I do not think that Miami has what it takes to outscore uh, North Carolina. I do not think that Tyler Van Dyke is going to have a fun time against that Clemson defense. Mm-hmm. Florida State is better than all the teams that I just talked about on both sides of the ball. And then you've got this Louisville team that has shown, and we'll, we'll get to it in a second, but like we were, we're talking about a Louisville team that has now shown that it can game plan and attack your weaknesses uh, in a way that not a lot of other ACC teams are. And now we're at a position where seven and five for this team is unacceptable. And it becomes a real like hot seat watch down there because crystal ball is making so much money. I cannot imagine that Miami is going to want to pull the trigger on him quickly. However, if this worst case scenario comes to pass, 
and you look at what Miami did this year after beating Texas A&M, you suddenly are seeing a team that probably needs a coaching change and will probably have to find a way to get millions of dollars to get out of this contract and then buy another contract, <laughs> which obviously like, like this is like, you're going to have to pay the next guys buyout who, cause you're probably going to want somebody big and you're going to start this process all over again. And it feels like this has been the cycle of Miami where big name comes in, gets all the hype has one game in a season that they just completely derails the rest of the campaign. Can't get back. Can't get the hands back on the steering wheel. And the next thing, you know, we're restarting the cycle all over again. And it just, it's just mind blowing to me that this is happening yet again. at Miami. I know it's absolutely wild. And it looks like from everything I've heard off the field that the money might be starting to dry up when it comes to the, the big donors. So I don't know what they're going to do. I think Mario Cristobal is a great recruiter. I think he's solid in, in the first three quarters of games, but man, this is inexcusable. I don't know if this one game is a fireable fast effect. I don't think it is on its own, but what this could turn into, this could be the beginning of the end for Mario Cristobal in what was looking. If he just took a knee was looking like the beginning to maybe a dynasty in Miami, or at least a, a really good run where they finally got the right guy and they're going to have a really good team and they could win eight, nine, 10 games this year, maybe make it to the ACC championship. As you said, now I'm looking at probably seven and five. And of that seven and five, four of uh, three of those wins are against group of five or lower teams, Miami of Ohio, Bethune-Cookman, and Temple. So in the conference, there's a real chance they could go three and five in the ACC, which is just pathetic with the talent that they've got. I, I think this one thing is going to haunt him for the rest of his coaching career unless he massively turns it around this season or next season or whenever before – the, the fans call for his firing. If he can turn it around, get this team to be one of the top of the ACC, then he could maybe move on past this. If not, this will be the thing that he is remembered for. And that is just brutal. Yeah. And on the opposite side, like kudos to Georgia tech for taking advantage here. Yep. Uh, as I joked about in the intro, this is a team that is now suddenly three and three. Uh, they are two and one in the ACC, which is a weird thing to say. But if you're looking at the schedule and you go, look, they only need three more wins to make a bowl. They've got Boston College at home this weekend. They go to Virginia, who has not looked very good. And uh, then you've got Syracuse coming down in November. And that Syracuse game might be the one that determines bowl eligibility for the for the Yellow Jackets because their other games are against some ridiculously tough opposition. But... Uh, I did not think that we'd be talking about this with, with Georgia Tech. And it's just, it's a situ we don't really need to dive into it now, but it's, it's a situation to monitor if they're able to do what they're supposed to do and beat both Boston College and Virginia in the next three weeks. Absolutely. So let's move on to another big game. This was Notre Dame at Louisville. And uh, in, this was a massive win for the Cardinals, 33 to 20, their biggest win in I don't know how long for that football program. Notre Dame suffers their second loss of the season. And the Cardinals, led by running back Jawar Jordan, just manhandled the Irish to improve to six and oh, can you believe it? I mean, Jawar Jordan was a Syracuse transfer who is like a great. This is the way the transfer portal is supposed to work. Jordan comes into Syracuse along with Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker goes on to become a top three all-time leading rusher at Syracuse 
like historically. And Jordan is obviously going to lose a ton of carries once that kind of upside has been shown. So he goes to Louisville and has shown that he is a fantastic player uh, capable of, uh, you know, carrying a team. And this was not the way I thought this game script was going to come out. I thought this was going to be a close game just because of how well uh, Louisville has looked this season in terms of coaching. But, you know, I thought this they were going to attack Notre Dame through the air. I wasn't sure they were going to be able to run on that Notre Dame front. And, yeah, Jordan just really did a fantastic job. 143 yards, two touchdowns on 21 attempts. Uh, Plummer, 17 of 24 for 145. Like, not going to blow your socks off, but that's a really competent, safe QB play. That's what you need in a game like this if you're going to have a chance. And, you know, the post-game win expectancy on SP Plus here uh, – this was a 12 uh this was a 13 point win. Uh SP Plus says it should have been a 12.6 point uh 12.6 point win, which just basically means that like look this there wasn't anything fluky about this. Like mm-hmm. Louisville manhandled Notre Dame. Notre Dame drops to 5 and 2 and all of a sudden you're talking about a Louisville team that I know you're you've been really high on this hire and on this program shifting that has taken place this year at Louisville. And this is the proof of concept. Like they made the right choice and Louisville is now suddenly an ACC team that we have to talk about more consistently. Absolutely. The, the offense with Jawar Jordan, as you said, plumber, solid quarterback, they can get the job done. And then that defense, they held Notre Dame to 20 points, Sam Hartman, who, okay, he's not great, but for all intents and purposes, a good quarterback. He did a lot at wake forest in the ACC. He committed five turnovers. Louisville intercepted it three times and they forced two fumbles from the man. So this Louisville team, it's not just one unit. Both units are good. We saw it earlier this season in their win against Indiana, where they had a goal line stand on the defensive end. And then the offense just ended up putting the game away, moving the sticks for like five minutes. This is a team that can get it done on both ends. Again, I love the the hire of Jeff Brom. I think he is legitimately perfect for there. I think Scott Satterfield is kind of mediocre as a coach. I think having him jump to Cincinnati was the best thing that could have happened for Louisville. Jeff Brom did a lot with a little at Purdue in a really tough place to win. And when it comes to fit, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. And I just think there's no better fit than a man who was born and raised and went to Louisville and is now the head coach of the program. I, I think it's incredible. Now, part of why they're going to be taken so seriously is because their schedule and this is no fault of their own, but they don't have to play Florida state. They don't have to play North Carolina. They don't have to play Clemson. The only ranked teams in the ACC that they've got are Duke and Miami. Uh, they, they won this non-conference game against Notre Dame. They've got a non-conference game against Kentucky at the end of the season, which is currently ranked. But in terms of can this team make the ACC championship game, there's a very real chance because they, they okay they've got Pitt Virginia Tech and Virginia all should be very winnable for Louisville and then Duke and Miami neither one seems unbeatable they are avoiding the two maybe three most talented teams in the conference in Florida State North Carolina and Clemson this is a team that it's certainly possible that they could go undefeated I, I think they probably slip up somewhere I think they probably end up something more like 10 and 2 maybe 11 and what probably 10 and 2 but the fact that an undefeated season and an ACC championship berth for Louisville is in the cards. That was not intentional, by the way, uh, uh, is absolutely <laughs> wild. 
Yeah, I mean, North Carolina still has a date with Clemson at Death Valley on the schedule, and it feels crazy to say, but you know, UNC is looking like a like an absolute uh, freight train right now. But they lose one game and Louisville loses zero games. Like the way that the new ACC schedule works, like sorry UNC, it's going to be Louisville playing in the uh, in the title game here. And I'm 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 with you. I think that this is too new of a team to come together that quickly and and run the table. Um, it, it just is not something you typically see in college football with a first time staff at a first time school. But we are in the era of the transfer portal, and there's a lot more experience on this Louisville roster than a typical program in this situation would have. But again, we're talking about the Miami game, and like that is not one where I am as worried anymore, but it, it's still going to be a tough game for them. Um, you know, the Duke game is suddenly taking on a ton of importance. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Um, now, just knowing the way that the ACC works, like when they go to Pitt next week, Pitt's got a new quarterback and all of a sudden Louisville's going to be in for the fight of their lives or something. <laughs> but like, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, but in the meantime, it is really interesting to now sit and look at, there's, there's a clear top, we'll do that. We'll break this down more in our, in our top five picks, but there's clearly been a top three in the ACC all season long. And we've been wondering like, who's going to be that fourth team? Who's going to be that fifth team? And it seems as if there's a true top four now, if you want to include Louisville. Um, you've got Louisville, UNC, FSU as the undefeateds. You've got Clemson, who's probably just as talented as any of those teams that we mentioned, um, but is sitting here with, uh, with a loss to Duke and a loss to Florida State. And the top of the ACC suddenly looks just as strong as pretty much any conference out there. Absolutely. And and not to mention, uh, not to forget Duke, a, a team that's only loss was to Notre Dame by a very late touchdown. And so absolutely, the top of the ACC is good. Uh, the one thing that I'm wondering if it could happen again, Louisville with a real shot here, if they get in to the ACC championship game, but lose the week prior in their non-conference game to Kentucky. So they're coming off a loss. Louisville, not undefeated, no chance at a playoff or anything like that. They go into the ACC championship and then somehow beat Florida State and just knocks out the entire ACC. That would be the most ACC thing that could happen. I Now that you put that out into the ether, you know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to happen. They're going to be undefeated. People are going to talk about playoff Louisville, and then they're going to lose to Kentucky and then beat Florida State, and it's, it's going to just be a mess. Uh, we've got one more game to talk about, specifically for you to talk about, and that mm -hmm. is North Carolina versus Syracuse. We weren't able to record last week, so this is your first time talking about the Orange after the shine has come off. They started 4-0, but have lost two in a row in the ACC. Last week to Clemson, this week just got drubbed by North Carolina to 40-7. Andy, your thoughts on Q's? I mean, the issue with Syracuse was that this game was always going to be a bad matchup for the Orange. Um, you, what UNC does on offense is not very good. Well, what UNC does on offense is really well suited to take advantage of how Syracuse plays the 3-3-5. And I think that the last week's game against Clemson was a better opportunity. If you're if you're a team that just wants to play it safe, is built on efficiency the way that Syracuse plays defense can really nullify a lot of your opportunities to get big chunks of yardage and move the ball 
um, efficiently when you are in plus territory. But what UNC wants to do is just absolutely take the top off you. They want to throw the ball deep. They want to throw to the edges. They want to throw to the deep middle of the field. And, and Syracuse likes to play a lot of zone coverage to balance out the different kinds of pressure looks that they bring from the 3-3-5. And uh, Drake May is just that type of quarterback that's going to sit back there and carve you up. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so I was not really surprised at Drake May throwing for over 400 yards, having three-plus touchdowns. What I was surprised by was how efficiently North Carolina's defense nullified Syracuse's offense. And this has been a big talking point for me with the Tar Heels all season long. I just don't don't really believe in Gene Chizik and, and this defense that they've been cooking up over the last few years. It hasn't meaningfully took any steps forward. And this was a Syracuse offense that moved the ball really efficiently against Clemson. This was a Syracuse offense that put up a ton of points uh, against a Purdue team and, and an Army team that have somewhat decent but not that great defenses. And North Carolina just absolutely shut down everything that Syracuse tried to do. Um, so for me, uh, it is a little bit worrying that Syracuse's offense is becoming so one-dimensional and flat now that Aronde Gatston and Isaiah Jones are out for the season. Uh, it's really limited that wide receiving core and made Garrett Schrader's ability to go over the middle almost non-existent. Uh, but I think that there's also a level of kudos here to North Carolina. I think that they are solid, like they are definitively the second best team in the ACC right now. Um, they're doing it on both sides of the ball. And I have, I all questions that I had about the Tar Heels in terms of their defensive, uh, uh, their defensive skills gone. I think that they're going to roll through the next month of the schedule um, and then finishing off with Duke, Clemson, NC State gets really interesting to see how well that defense holds up over, you know, for, for those three games in particular. Completely agree. I think North Carolina is excellent. I think Syracuse is decent to good, but just very clearly not at the level of a Clemson, of a North Carolina, of a Florida State, which we thought we thought they would run into this wall and and would would break down. And that is, in fact, what happened for North Carolina. I'm in agreement. I think they roll. I think they've got two big games coming up in successive weeks against Duke and at Clemson in November. But I think there's a real chance they could win both. I think at worst, they lose one of them. I think UNC is in a really good position to make the ECC championship game. We'll see about Louisville. But I, I legitimately think this is a getting getting to be where they're like borderline top 10 in the country. I think North Carolina is really, really good. I don't know if I quite have them there yet in, in terms of nationwide but i think they're knocking on the door i think they're like i don't know 11th maybe 12th in the country if if i were ranking in terms of uh where i'd have them but yeah I, i'm a firm believer in the tar heels this year I, but i mean to be fair to, to you and to everybody else who's who is having these these feelings about the tar heels this was th these last few weeks have been really the first weeks that we've seen this defense show up in a, sure. in a meaningful way. Like we saw in the app state game that this defense can give up big plays and, and give up and let and let an opposing offense just kind of roll through you. Um, so it's really been, you know, they, they let Pitt score 24 points, even though that game was never in contention, but like we've talked about how bad the Pitt offense is here. 
it's really only been against Minnesota and Syracuse that we've seen this defense step up and play at a level that we think is warranted of a top 10 ranking. So for me, I, you know, they've got uh, Miami this week. To me, that is, that's the moment. If this defense steps up and does what they, what they did against Syracuse against Miami, UNC top 10 absolutely should be right there. But I, I still need to see one more week of defensive dominance before I'm willing to say that UNC is one of the top 10 teams in the country. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break back with some previews for the upcoming week seven in just a moment on Action Packed. <laughs> Okay, we are back here on Action Packed. I'm Corey Cohen. He is Andy Pregler. Uh, let's talk about some games coming up this week. As we were just talking about, Miami versus North Carolina. The Hurricanes still ranked, so this will be ranked versus ranked. Uh, 7.30 on ABC. We're both talking about it. UNC, we're firm believers in. Miami, shaky. I'm not sure this one is even going to be especially close. How about you? No, I I'm looking at the the SP plus, uh, you know, previews here where they sim out the games. You know, it's usually pretty good at getting the margins uh, around there. It likes it. It thinks that this is going to be a close game. I, I just disagree. Fundamentally, I think that this is the kind of like we talked about it. I think that Miami is going to break after what we just saw. Um, I like you can't lose a game that way. I think UNC is peaking in the right way. What I really want to see from this is if UNC goes down there and that defense holds Miami to under, you know, 14 points or so, I'm going to be legitimately considering UNC running the table, beating Clemson in Death Valley. Right now, I still think that game's a toss up just because of the defensive side of the ball. Um, but yeah, Drake May is Drake May is going to feast against this Miami defense and Miami's going to need to score 35 points just to keep it a game. I don't I don't think that they can do that. I'm in agreement. I don't think Miami can do it either. And I'm with you in terms of UNC. I'm I think they're second best in the ACC right now. I think that game against Clemson's a toss up, but I, as much as I really like them, I can't at the moment see them winning the ACC, making the playoff. But they've got a chance to prove it to me. This upcoming game against Miami, if they go out there and just beat the pants off the Hurricanes, now all of a sudden I'm fully on the bandwagon that this is a team that can go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, not just with Clemson and beat them, but with Florida State, could make the playoff and be a real contender. I think that one is going to be exciting. Uh, also, uh, talking about top teams, Florida State hosting your Syracuse down in Tallahassee, 12 noon on ABC uh, how bad is this one going to get, Andy? It's going to get really bad because uh, FSU is going to be able to do uh, like one thing really well, and that is have Jordan Travis throw deep to his monster wide receiving core. And Syracuse just doesn't have the size in the secondary to really match up. And I think that it's kind of weird to say, but we saw it in the Clemson game where even when Florida State's offense was stalling out on drives because they were missing deep throws over the middle and down the seams, they just stuck to that game plan because they knew in the end it was going to win them the game. The difference is, is that Clemson's front seven is significantly better than Syracuse's front seven. Um, so while I do think that there will be some moments when Marlo Wax and the Syracuse linebacking crew is in the Florida State backfield and forcing Jordan Travis to run and you know maybe even sack him a couple of times, I think that this is a game where you're going to see Travis uh, hit some splash plays. I think you're going to see Florida State put up close to 50 and uh, on Syracuse in this one. And it, it's just not going to be close. This was always the game that I knew Syracuse was going to lose this year. 
I am even more convinced after what happened down in uh, Chapel Hill that that's what's going to happen this week. Right. Yeah. I think there was there was hope that Syracuse could maybe beat Clemson, could maybe beat North Carolina. Florida State always kind of seemed out of the realm of possibility. The Knolls are just rolling this year. Uh, coming up the next week after Syracuse, they've got a big game against Duke. That should be interesting. But I'm in agreement. I don't think this one will be particularly close. One more game we're going to talk about Louisville versus Pitt. Louisville up to 14th in the rankings. This one's going to kick off at 630 on the CW. Louisville. For a while, I was thinking, okay, this is a good team, but like maybe Pitt could win. And then within the span of two weeks, Pitt completely collapses, uh, losing to Virginia Tech, a not good football team, cementing Pitt as one of the worst in the ACC. And then a week later, Louisville crushes Notre Dame, one of the better teams in the country. This, to me, is not going to be close. Pitt is making quarterback change. Bill Dracovic finally, mercifully, is not going to be starting for the Panthers. Pat Narduzzi making the change to Christian Veyer. There, there's still a chance he's starting just at tight end. So, so it was you weird. Never know. It was weird because that was all the reporting. And then right before we recorded this, Pat Narduzzi in his press conference said that Jerkovic will not be playing tight end and that he's going to be a backup quarterback. All the reporting was that he was not even going to be the second-string quarterback. They were moving him to tight end, and then Narduzzi uh, disavowed that today. So not entirely sure. I would have liked to see him at tight end. I actually think there could have been something there. I, I personally think that this is a little bit of gamesmanship by Narduzzi. I, it probably is true that he's not going to be the starting tight end, and they're going to want to have, like, build in some sets for him to, like, get used to it. But it was it's weird. We talk about it at Syracuse. The starting tight end at Syracuse now that Aranda Gatson's down is this guy, Dan Valari, who is a quarterback transfer from Michigan. Um, and it's weird. Quarterbacks seem to make great tight ends. Hello, Travis Kelsey. Um, but I do think that that would be the kind of effort and player that Pitt would need to even have a have a shot in this game. Uh, I think that what we've seen so far from the Pitt defense is really concerning for what Louisville wants to do here. I think Jawar Jordan is about to, to have another really solid outing here against this pit defense. That being said, it's a lot to ask this Louisville team to do what they just did, turn right around and head up north to go play in Pittsburgh. I haven't seen what the weather forecast is yet for the for the weekend, but this is this has all the markings of you know bad weather rolls through. You're on the road after a big win to start off really slow. And again, Pitt's got a new quarterback, new offense. Any chance that we see something new and explosive and suddenly this game gets really interesting. Right. So it right now it is supposed to be rainy in Pittsburgh on Saturday. So that could uh, throw throw a wrench into it. Although, obviously, if your offense is run through your running back to our Jordan, that's not as affected by inclement weather. Uh, Christian Veyer did play a half against North Carolina after Jerkovic went out. He looked OK, not anything special but we'll see now that he's got essentially two weeks to game plan because this decision to bench Sharkovic was made uh during this bye week uh we'll see if he's able to improve uh I think Louisville probably wins by about 10 but I agree this one could be for a while it could be closer than people might think because it, it could be kind of ugly at first Louisville might take a little time to get the offense going but when all when all is said and done uh, I, I think Pitt just on offense, I don't trust the offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything outside of one half from the new quarterback, Christian Veyer. So I'm, I still think Louisville handles this. I think they improved to 7-0 and the cards keep rolling. 
yeah, that's that is 100 percent where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, also in the ACC this week, just two other games, Wake Forest versus Virginia Tech, 330 at, on the ACC network. That one actually should be evenly matched. Two teams in the lower middle end of the ACC. We'll see which one overcomes. And then at 8 o'clock, NC State versus Duke on the ACC network. That one should be interesting. All right, Andy, before we go, and apologies uh, on my end that we are uh, speeding this one up a little bit early this week, moving a bit quicker than we usually like to, but before we go, let's talk about the power rankings, our top five in the ACC. No doubt about it. Florida State remains number one. So let's talk yep. about number two. I think <laughs> you and I are the same. North Carolina has seemed to firmly establish themselves as the second best. Absolutely. They, uh, I am, again, like I said, if they beat Miami this week, handle them on defense, I think that this is a top 10 team in the country. And I'm kind of bummed we're not going to get an FSU UNC regular season game this year. But uh, they they look they look really good. There's a real chance that could come uh, in Charlotte in uh, in December. We'll certainly see about that. Uh, all right. So now we've got starting at three. We've got a few teams that can compete for spots. You've got an undefeated six and zero Louisville. You've got Duke who beat Clemson. Their only loss is to Notre Dame late in the game. You've got Clemson, a team with two losses but looks incredibly talented. Uh, and you've got Miami, a team that should, for all intents and purposes, be 5-0 and right now. Uh, so let's start with third place. Who do you have in th and third in your power rankings? I am going to stick with the Cardinals. Again, undefeated. We talked about their path. I'm a firm believer that this is a team that's going to probably lose only one more game the rest of the way out. I think that we are going to get a really interesting end-of-season ACC championship game race here. It's going to be wild because Louisville and North Carolina are not playing each other. It could get messy. Uh, last time we recorded, I had Louisville and Syracuse right outside of my top five, maybe slipping in, but they had to prove it to me. Syracuse didn't. Louisville did. They have vaulted up into my three spot in the ACC. Louisville, they deserve that spot. Six and oh, they crushed a good Notre Dame team. I like them at three. How about number four for you, Andy? I really want to do anything else than this, but like it's going to be Duke. Um, I, I think that what Clemson did against Wake Forest really nullified a lot of positives that I was taking out of the Syracuse game from them. Um, I And every step forward that they took against Syracuse, they took a step back against Wake. <laughs> and now they're back to being this team where I'm like, look, you guys are really talented. You're doing stupid things on offense. Your defense is keeping you into games right now. Uh, I will gladly put Duke at the four spot if only because they seem to be far more consistent. And I know what I'm getting week in and week out with the Blue Devils. I'm the exact same as you. I've got Duke, although honestly, for just a, a more sort of stubborn reason. And that's when two teams play each other on the field and one comes out victorious. I stick with them until proven otherwise. Duke beat Clemson on the turf. So I've got to have Duke at four. I agree Clemson did not look very impressive against Wake, but even if they did, I would still have Duke in fourth just the way that I uh, do my own personal rankings and evaluating. I think Duke proved it against Clemson in week one, and until they lose again or at least come very close to losing, I'm going to keep Duke there above Clemson. Now, in five spot, is it Clemson or do you dare put Miami? I, I am not putting Miami anywhere near the top five now. And I was really high on the Hurricanes for a stupid amount of period of time. Uh, all of that momentum is gone for me now. I am I am putting Clemson at number five. I still think that Clemson is the second best roster in the ACC. 
Uh, and I would take that roster and that program over a lot others. The results just haven't been there that year, this year because of what we've talked about before with the roster and, and the quarterback play being so inconsistent. Yeah, if if they had beaten Duke, which they weren't close to doing, it's not like Duke won in, in some sort of fluky way. But if they had beaten Duke and just lost to Florida State in overtime, this would be not just the probably the second best team in the conference for all of us. They would be arguably a top 10 team in the nation. And instead, they are all the way out. So I'm still going to stick with Clemson at five. I, I I thought about Miami because, again, they should be five and oh. If their coach doesn't make the dumbest error that I've ever seen in my entire life, they are five and oh, and they might be in third place in our rankings. But one simple decision spoils the entire thing. And I'm in agreement with you. I think they stumble. So Miami is out. Clemson is in at five. And uh, yeah, those are the power rankings in the ACC. So a lot to be a lot to look forward to coming up this week in the ACC. We will be back next week right here to talk all about it on action packed. Andy Pregler, tell people where they can find you, follow you, read your stuff. Yeah. Follow me uh, on any social media account on at uh, AC Pregler. And as always, make sure checking out uh, fans first uh, sports nation for the level up show that comes out uh, as well as this show. And uh, my Substack at AC Pregler. Uh, has all of my weekly show recaps as well as my usual Syracuse football preview there as well. Excellent. Well, I am uh, Corey Cohen. You can find me at Corey E. Cohen on Twitter or Corey Cohen on other social media. Um, And uh, you can find me over Talking Pit on the Pit Talk Network. You can also find me on this FFSN College Football feed on the Fourth Quarter Chaos Podcast. Uh, Until next time, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week right here on Action Packed.